0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and the goal of the Mosaic Life Podcast is to explore happiness, what it means to us as individuals, and why so many of us chase it, and yet so few, ever seem to truly find it. If you find value in this episode of the podcast, or you've found value in previous episodes, the best way to support the podcast is by joining the Mosaic Life Podcast Circle newsletter, which you can do at TheMosaicLife.com. Podcast.com. and right now in the month of August if you sign up for the newsletter you'll be entered to win your choice of life-changing books mentioned by my previous guests. One lucky winner will get to choose one life-changing book from a previous episode and I will send it straight to the door. You can sign up at TheMosaicLifePodcast.com Before we get started, you may have noticed I threw in an extra episode a couple of weeks ago. For long-time listeners, you probably remember my friend Robbie Herbst, who is a meditation instructor. I've been getting feedback that not only have people found the Mosaic Life podcast through the meditations, but they've also received tremendous value from them. This is something I aim to do more of with not just Robbie, but some other great instructors as well. And so if you're a meditator or you'd like to start practicing your meditation and would like to see a certain type of meditation included in the future, give me a shout on Instagram at Trey Kaufman and let me know. I am so thankful to have had the opportunity to speak with my guest today. She is one of the most wonderful and beautiful humans I've had the chance to connect with, and she literally wrote the book on authenticity. I was so excited to have this conversation because it's been so important to me to live not just authentically, but to do so with integrity. So much of that has meant not overselling myself and continually managing my relationship with my ego, both topics Vicky and I discuss in the conversation you are about to hear. Vicki Snaver rose from a typing and filing clerk with only a high school diploma to being a highly recognized human resources top executive. She did all that while raising a family and earning her college and MBA degrees. And now she is teaching some of the most critical lessons she discovered about being authentic in the workplace to others with her new book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life's Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. Her years in the corporate sector encompassed such leading companies as Sarah Lee Corporation, Northern Trust, and CIBC Bank USA, previously known as The Private Bank. At Sara Lee, she focused on managing the impact of massive change on more than 140,000 employees worldwide. She found her purpose by daring to be herself, and she's here to share what she's learned with us today. This is a conversation I'll go back and listen to more than once, and I'm so excited to have been able to share it with Vicki, and now with you. Please welcome my friend, Vicki Znaver. Vicki, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great. It's a beautiful day here in the Midwest, and I'm yes. excited to be with you.
0: Yes, same. Um, you're you're in sh- Chicago, right?
1: Yeah, so I am actually in Indiana right now, okay. but yes. I'm just about an hour outside of Chicago. Awesome.
0: What part of Indiana?
1: Long Beach, Indiana. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm.
0: I've um, I've been to Michigan City many many times. Oh. Is that near where you are right now?
1: It's four minutes away.
0: Oh wow, <laughs> small world. Yeah, um, yeah, but no, yeah, I'm, I too am in, in, in the Midwest, uh, Columbus, Ohio. So mm-hmm. I see that sun. Shining out there, and I know it's super hot.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you joining me. Um, Like I've mentioned to you, I have absolutely loved reading your book. I still have, I I think, about 40 pages left, so don't ruin the ending for me, but I'm (laughs) super excited to talk about uh, authenticity and all of the work you've been doing over the course of your career.
1: Oh, thank you. And it's an honor that, you know, to have people who actually read your work um, and, you know, and Listen to your work and that kind of yeah. thing. It's such an honor. Um, so I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, well, good, good. I, well, again, I'm excited to have you. And just to be provocative, I want to pull a quote uh, that that was in the book. Sure. Uh, that I just we can start talking from there. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I, I know that you said in the book that you don't generally like cussing, but right. you did say one thing. <laughs> Don't let assholes ever diminish your dreams. And if that isn't one of the most poignant pieces of pieces of advice that I could offer, I don't, or you could offer, I don't, I don't know what else there would be. I loved seeing that, and I highlighted it as soon as I saw it.
1: Oh, thank you. And you know, it's interesting because you're the second person in two days who who's actually quoted that back to me and said how much they loved it. And what's really interesting is the original title of the book was going to be. Uh, life's too short to spend with assholes.
0: Nice.
1: And I, you know, and I don't really cuss that much anymore, but I will say that that really does get to the heart of it. Yeah. You know, I think if we can think about, we don't want to waste the precious time that we have on this planet with people who simply, um, you know, shouldn't be in our lives, or that don't really lift us in some way, or that yeah. we we couldn't possibly lift either. It goes both ways, so we don't want to be assholes ourselves, and we don't want to spend time with assholes. And you know, I worked for forty-two years in corporate America, and you know, the times I think that were most challenging to me were that people were showing up in that way, yeah. and it was challenging me at times times to not become one myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you, what I, 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 I often attribute this to Tim Ferriss, but I'm sure he got it from somebody else. He he likes to say, you are the average of the five people you spend yes. the most time around. And when you're spending time around people in corporate America, I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying no. they're all good, but you become, you, you pull certain parts of the people you spend the, the most time with. So of course that would rub off on you if you don't, if you're not, if you not if you are not careful.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, I've known people who will say, well, I've got to go to this or I've got to I've got to hang out with these people because they're important to me for right. my career or whatever it might be. And before you know it, you really lose yourself. And that's yeah. really what this is all about is not letting that happen to you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, no, like I said, I, I really, really, really have been enjoying the book. Oh, and so I, I, I I don't want to make it seem like I'm just saying that I, I, I get a, a lot of books and that mm-hmm. they're, I mean, I, I appreciate every piece of written work that I read, but the your writing style, it really resonated with me because it, to, to me, it was very similar to a Gladwell where you take your practical experience, you use practical anecdotes, but you also use theory and research and you tie it all together. And that is something that resonates with me when I'm reading a book. So i One more time, just to thank you for writing it, because I I very much enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. And, you know, I really appreciate that you mentioned the research, because I think they'll always be a part of me, and hopefully so, that remains incredibly humble. So when it was recommended to me, uh, you know, I was looking for a topic to write about. I always wanted to write a book. And I talked to uh, the woman who actually became my publisher and said, you know, I'm not really sure if I'm an expert in authenticity, I just know that I've shown up that way. And so I think there was a part of me that said, well, you know, I think it's important to go and see what the experts say about authenticity. And what I learned about myself through that process was that I really enjoy research. And I appreciate when people dig into a topic so that not only are they helping someone learn, but during the process, this is certainly how I experienced writing the book, I was learning right along with you. Yes,
0: absolutely. I I, I love that. And I mean, do you the way you wrote it, it made it seem like, I mean, you talk about 2020, obviously, in, in retrospect. So I mean, yeah. how how long did it, or I guess how short of a time frame did you write that book in and then bring it to publication?
1: Yeah. So I would say from the first word on the page, uh, which would really started with an outline to yeah. turning the book over to the publisher, it was seven months.
0: That's impressive. That's <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank um, you. To, to really start off our conversation, uh, there is a point in the book where you kind of distinguish between integrity and authenticity. And that was that was fascinating to me because I, I do tend to talk a lot about integrity on this podcast and I've never, I've, I've perhaps never really taken strides to distinguish between the two. And I think it's an important, uh, I think it's important that you do so because there, there is a difference. So if, I mean, if you could start off by just explaining what the difference between those two is for you.
1: Sure. So if I think about integrity, I think that this is really, um, showing up and they're certainly they're certainly closely related i will say that but you know integrity is really very individual of course you have to decide you know what your north star is um and, and you really do have to show up in a way that reflects your values. Hopefully it reflects other people's values. You know, if you're in an organization, for example, and you're and you're you want to tell the truth, for example, you want to tell the truth, of course. Uh, and uh, I think, you know some people uh, in their own personal values, perhaps, they're not yeah. really thinking about, that all the time. But if you make integrity a hallmark of your being a core value, then yeah. it does start to check you to say, oh gosh, you know, I, this a white lie actually is a lie. Uh, you yeah. know, things, things like that. So, you know, I always sort of think of a mirror when you're thinking about integrity. And that is, if you look in the mirror, no matter who is around, and you can always say, you know, I lived up to my values. I'm living with integrity. I think that that's a good way to sort of measure that. Yeah. And, and authenticity, you know, I think of as the way I define authenticity, and, and this isn't exactly how I talked about it in the book, uh, Trey, but I think of authenticity as knowing who you are, knowing what matters most to you in the world, those are your values, and then showing up in the world in a way that reflects that to the extent that you wish to do so. And so for me, that means you don't have to tell all your deepest, darkest secrets at work or in any environment that you don't feel comfortable telling, but you just have to know what who you are and what matters to you. And then you get to decide how you're going to show up.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like how you distinguish that, uh, between those two. And I I know in the book you taught, or at at some point you mentioned, on, on a handful of occasions talking about extroversion. And -hmm. even though some of us are, or I think a lot of us uh, more often are more people than are willing to admit are more introverted than extroverted. There of course are extroverted people who actually gain energy from being around a bunch of people. I'm not one of those people, but I, I strive to, you know, put myself out there so I, I, I can have conversations like this. And so you talk about how extroversion can seem more authentic is, I mean, yeah. is that how you, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of reconcile those two to me in my own mind sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, so I think, and I'm, I'm right along with you, Trey, I am more of an introvert, but I have learned that I have to be, interestingly, because of all the jobs that I've had in my right. career, all of my jobs have required me to be in front of people. Yeah. And so as a result, I've had to, if you almost think about um, just saying to yourself, "Okay, this is how I have to show up in order for whatever core messages that I have to share, they're not going to get heard if I sit in my office all the time." So, I have to step out of that normal, comfortable space for myself and be willing to, I guess, um, show up for other people. Yeah. So, you know, it is it is a skill. It's it's sort of like working out a little bit in that. If you are an introvert, if you say, you know what, this message is so important or this value is so important and the only vehicle that I have is to you know, do public speaking or to do podcast or whatever it might be, yeah. then you just have to tell yourself that it is really important for you to do that. And you have to work on overcoming it. And the more you get in front of people, I know every time I say that I'm an introvert, the first reaction I get is, I never would have guessed that. <laughs> right? So I guess after 42 <laughs> years, I've learned how to, how to not let that be the first thing that I talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when... When you have an opportunity to be in front of people, whether or not mm-hmm. it's doing a podcast like this, I mean, we've been talking for 10 minutes now, and it, it's been a pleasure in those yeah. past 10 minutes, or you're on stage or speaking in front of a group, how what does is, what is your body Tell you, I mean, do you do you feel anxious leading into those conversations? Is it something that you have to prepare for, or have have you worked that muscle out enough over the years where it's something that you are you're set and ready to go to do?
1: Okay, so you're asking me to give you away all my secrets, but I will just yes, tell you.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll just tell you this, Trey, that I'm always a little bit anxious, but it not in yeah. I'm not nervous about speaking in front of people or anything like that. I mostly. I will say anxious about making sure that I don't forget to share something that's really important. Yes, And so what I tend to do is I tend to, I'll have notes in my hand and I wish that I could one day just get rid of my notes and that really is something that I'm working on Um, but the intention or the reason I have them in my hip pocket all the time is really because I want to make sure that the message that I'm intending to deliver is delivered but I know I've gotten a lot of feedback that when I don't use any notes I'm usually better and interestingly enough doing podcasts and radio shows where I have no idea what I'm going to be asked forces me to give up my notes so maybe I'm getting. Some practice with you here today, Trey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, hey, me too. I mean, it's I have gotten to the point in my podcasting career where I, 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 ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I will not go into a recorded conversation unless we have the chance to connect ahead of time because Mm I'm not I'm not there to plan out questions. I like you. I don't know what I'm going to say in the next five minutes. I don't plan questions, but I I want to build a rapport so we can kind of get a feel for each other. And so we Mm -hmm. can have a comfortable organic conversation. But on that same token, I mean, the 15 minutes leading up to us connecting today, I I get super nervous Mm -hmm. and I have to, I I do things to, to get myself into the correct mind space. I've spoken about this a number of times. There's a music video that I I watch. It's I I can't help Falling in Love with You. It's a cover by 21 Pilots, a cover of Elvis's song. And it's just, it puts a smile on my face and it it just calms me down. Even though I know this is gonna be a wonderful conversation. Our initial conversation was fantastic. I loved connecting with you. I still get that nervous jitter ahead of time.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I, I've heard you mention that song on other podcasts, and I and I <laughs> smiled myself when I heard you talking about it, and it's great. So that is a really great example for all of us that yeah. whatever it is that you need to do to sort of overcome any anxiety or or, um, or nervousness that you might have about whatever it is that you're doing, you know, find that thing and then do it. Do what works for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, going back to integrity, uh, when we talked about little white lies, and you, you even mentioned looking into the mirror, I obviously lies when you bring another party into the equation. There, there can be there's implied detriment I mean you're, you're lying to somebody that can cause harm uh, I can call it cause hurt feelings but I think one of the most dangerous ways we can tell lies is when we're looking in the mirror when we're lying oh, to yeah. ourselves because if we're lying to ourselves about how well we're performing in something or if, if we're lying to ourselves about, Any number of things, I just, I feel like that can put us on such a, a, the the wrong path and it it is only hurting us as we try and move forward in our careers or our pursuits.
1: Yeah. And you know, this is why being authentic and showing up in the world in a way that really reflects who you truly are and what matters to you takes guts to do that because, you know, depending on your career aspirations or whatever, in a lot of situations, people are actually incented to show up in a way that's not necessarily themselves but in a way that benefits the organization for example and so i do think those moments in front of a mirror where you just are looking at yourself and really looking at yourself and saying am i showing up in the way that really reflects what matters most to me. And I'll give you an example. So for example, most of us, if you have loved ones or I'll use children, and I recognize that not everyone has children, but if You have children, everyone, of course, would say, You know, my family comes first. That's right. what we automatically say on autopilot. But then, if you ask yourself when you're looking in the mirror, Am I really showing up in the way that shows that to my loved ones, whether yeah. it's a, a significant other or my children, my parents, my friends? Am I showing, or, and even yourself, am I showing up in a way that reflects my values for myself? And then, if you listen to the answers without letting your ego and, and Trey, i loved some of the things you've talked about relative to ego, but your ego is going to say, Trey, you're awesome. <laughs> Vicki, you were, you killed it today. Right. You know, you're going to have to listen for those, that voice and those voices that are going to come in automatically and say, you know, back off, be quiet right now, and then really feel the answer. And when you do that, you know, you can run from a lot of things, but you really can't run from your true, Self, if you're willing to, you know, right. take the time to listen.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you spoke about that a number of times in your book, and mm-hmm. when it comes to what we put first, I mean, I know societal conditioning will have us believe, yes, always put your family first, no matter what, no exceptions. I mean, mm-hmm. we have there are times in our lives where our career is going to, it, it is, it, it's going our career or insert any other. Uh, you know, thing that we're passionate about is going to come first, whether or not we're going for a promotion uh, in in an effort to help our family, to help our family do better in this life or any, anything else we, if we can be honest with ourselves Yeah, uh, I'm going to miss Jimmy's baseball game Mm -hmm. once or twice because I've got a meeting that is going to be beneficial for our family's bottom line or Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to say. And it's it's okay to say that. But when we buy into that societal conditioning, then we start to feel guilty and ashamed of of how we are. I guess running our lives or our families.
1: Sure, and you know, years ago, I used to work for a CEO named Brenda Barnes when I was at Sara Lee, and she was one of the first uh, working mothers who sort of stepped down uh, from a big CEO role to yeah. to to take care of her children, and. Then she returned back to the workforce when it was better for her and her family. And one of the things that she always said, which, I, which has stick, stuck with me, is that you can have it all, you just can't have it all at the same time. Yes. And so, you know, of course, in my 42 years of working, there were times where, you know, life is never 50-50. You wish that it was. It isn't. Right. And you, but what you have to do is you have to think about in the moments that really, really mattered, did I show up for my friends, my family, my, my employer, myself, whatever it is. Um, and that's where you, you have to just, you know, no, nobody is perfect. And I'll tell you for years and years and years, I thought that I had to be perfect. And that is a, um, that is a real unfortunate um, feeling because yeah. no such thing exists. You cannot be perfect. So you're always gonna let someone down in some small way, but it's really the big ways that I'm talking about here, the things that really matter.
0: Yes, absolutely. And when you're striving to be perfect for the benefit of others, when you you look in the mirror and you realize that that's an impossible pursuit, then you're just going to let yourself down from there, which is is not doing anybody any favors.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: You know, one thing that you had said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, life is short. Uh, it's heartbreaking to see people uh, spending, I can't read my handwriting, spending it as someone we're not. And that that resonates quite a bit with me, because for the longest time, um, leading up to my pursuit of personal development, I used to think I was the 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 greatest at so many things. I, I would lie to myself. Hey, I, I wrote this short story. It's the it's the, it's my magnum opus. It's the <laughs> best thing I've ever written in my entire life. I'm going to get published because of that. I used to just convince myself that I was I was so good uh, at so many things, but I had nothing to prove for it or show for it, and it was. It was exhausting because when I actually tried to make an accomplishment to to start a business, I realized that I actually had to do work that I hadn't done before. And so, yeah, it is sad seeing people try to live somebody as they're not, because I know exactly what that feels like. And it's it's so tiring.
1: It really is. And, you know, I think sometimes people believe that when they're looking at someone who's really super successful by by external um, measures, for example, yeah. I think we make assumptions like, oh my gosh, they've got it all. But, you know, in a lot of those situations, they just haven't figured out how to live any other way. and And sometimes, you know, Um, or in a lot of cases, you know, having all the material things in the world can be a really shallow pool to swim in and people start realizing that. So, you know, I think that when you, when you look at someone and they're just trying to be someone, you know, that they're, that they're never going to be, you know, maybe they've yeah. always wanted to be an artist, but their parents told them that in order to make a good living, you need to be an accountant. Right. Uh, and they'll try with <laughs> all their might to be an accountant. Yeah, You know, um, a lot of times you see a lot of times when people go to law school, it's sort of like that, that notch that they have to get to in life in order to prove Um, that they that they're intelligent or that they they're to make their family feel proud I hear that a lot of times you know I just want to make my family proud and that's you know certainly an admirable ambition but at some point you do have to live your life in a way that feels right for you
0: yeah absolutely when did you realize that at what point in your life or your career
1: well, I'll tell you. I would say pretty early on. Well, first of all, I've always loved business. So my yeah. mom used to manage a hotel when I was when she when I was uh, two or three years old, and I even at that age loved sitting at a desk, and I loved playing with a calculator and all those kinds of things. So I think I was I always liked it, and I'm the only kid in my family who actually went that route. Right. Um, so I really always liked it. But I would say, in terms of showing up as myself, I would say I was in my um, early 30s, when you know, when I was working, it was in the early 80s, and women in particular, we had, we weren't allowed to wear pantsuits to work. By the way, we had to wear little neckties, and uh, I did not have a degree, so I talk in my book. I went to night school for right. 15 years to get an undergrad yeah. degree, and then went on to get my MBA, but. I worked with these really smart people, Harvard, you know, Yale, Princeton grads, University of Chicago finance people, and I just thought, you know what, if I watch how they talk and I try to talk like them, I will, that's sort of the path. Right. And I learned pretty quickly even before my 30s that I was never going to be Uh, able to do that as evidenced by my conversational way of speaking that I've had my entire life and my entire career. So I learned, okay, that is an impossible bar. I'm not going to be able to do that. But I did realize that I had some natural gifts. And I would say that that my ability to talk about human beings was something that I had even in high school, I noticed. And my my, uh, I think I'm very empathetic. So I can step into someone else's shoes pretty easily and I can um, sort of get to their level with whatever it is that they're dealing with and I'm a good listener. So those were some skills that I knew that I had that some of those Harvard, Princeton, Yale people did not have. So I just thought, you know what, path of least resistance, I'm going with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I I mean, I, I know... You had, you had, you had mentioned obviously taking 15 years to get your undergrad degree. And then mm-hmm. I, I think you had mentioned to your boss at some point in time that you wanted to reach a certain level in your career. And I mean, he essentially laughed in your face and, and mm-hmm. said, not, not without a degree or not. And I mean, I, I, I think you even mentioned that wouldn't fly today, which I, I agree mm-hmm. with, but at the time that, that, that has to have felt so jarring. And if we, have other people talking down to us saying we 're incapable yeah. of doing so, trying to live our authentic lives and uh, living you know to a point of where we feel like we 've got integrity for our own our own selves our own career that has that had to have been very difficult to overcome.
1: Yeah, so you know, I was a really great admin. So my first job out of high school, I went right into the corporate world, and I was an admin. And I was always really enthusiastic. So you know, I kept doing a lot of things, and I would ask for more work, more responsibility, and I succeeded in all of those endeavors. So that's a really good story. And but when I sat with this particular manager, I worked for 14 people at the time, and this one particular manager stood out as the asshole that I sort of talk about. Um, because most of the other people that I worked with when I was 21 years old, they're amazing people. And I'm still really good friends with them. And I they've been incredibly supportive. But this guy stood out. So when I said, you know, I'd really like to be a tax analyst, I knew that I'd that, that position required a degree. And I knew that I didn't have one. What I wanted to hear, and you know, I talk a lot about my coaching practice feedback. In fact, I have a meeting today about feedback. Is this manager had such an opportunity to say, Vicki, you know what? This requires a degree. But here are some things that you can do along the way to prepare yourself for that particular Position. And instead, he literally did as you said. He burst out laughing and he said, You'll never be a tax analyst. And so the gift. This is where for the listeners, I just want to say every one of us in in our uh, roles at work, et cetera, and in life, we all face disappointment and we all face moments like that where someone tells us that we can't be something that we dream about being. And so you have a moment to decide whether you're going to let that be your truth or you're going to just get to your dreams in a different way without relying on you know that person's assistance or or anything like that and you know what's really interesting about that particular story is that person was a director who gave me that feedback and ultimately we were still at the same organization i stayed there for a really long time 26 years i ended up being at a higher level than he did Before I ended, I was, uh, I ended my career there as a vice president, and that was a level he never achieved. And, you know, what I know now that I didn't know then is he was absolutely right in that I wasn't destined to be a tax analyst. Right. And I, and, you know, who knows, I might've been a very mediocre one, but I, it didn't mean that I wasn't destined to Reach a higher level in the organization. And yes. so that's what I'd like all of your listeners to just know. You know, just um, you decide, you get to decide um, what your truth is, not someone else.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think at, at some point, you also, you, there, there was an exercise within the book essentially talking about inflection points in our lives, points at which we can look at our life t- going one of a number of different directions and that mm-hmm. that seems like it was one of them for you because it, it may it forced you to make a decision as to what exactly you were going to push to 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 achieve which i i I love and i it's a it's a a very happy ending the fact that you ended up uh, above him i I, part of me wants to wish and hope that you rubbed it in his face but the other part of me wants that you just had that you kind of kept that inside and i'm not going to ask you for because i I want (laughs) to i want to bask in that myself but um I, I, I am curious. I, I do want to briefly bring it up. I mean, how much uh, of an effect, and I know we spoke about this briefly offline, did your childhood have on your career development? Because I, yeah. I know it was a, a little bit of a chaotic
1: one. Yeah, it was a chaotic childhood. And um, and I will just say, just going back to values, because my childhood did really create a lot of my values, yeah. um, just for that manager, I never would have felt right if I rubbed it in his face. So um, that's <laughs> Where yeah. values come into play, but yes, I mean, is if I think about you know, my, my parents were both they both struggled with alcoholism, they were both lovely people, but this was just a situation that they you know couldn't quite manage, yeah. and and we have a lot of that going on in our world right now, actually, yeah. which I'm really concerned about, yeah. but um, you know, I think. Uh, there wasn't any consistency in my childhood. My parents um, didn't really care one way or another whether I got good grades or, or anything like that. And I, we lost our home to foreclosure when I was 12 years old. So some of those, and I walk the readers through how to use these tools, but when I talked before about authenticity being knowing who you are, this exercise actually helps you identify who you are and why you do some of the things that you do. So, you know, for example, when our family lost our home to foreclosure, that was a really difficult day. I can still remember what that felt like when we were driving away from our home. But the good part of that that I, you know, since reflected on was that we moved to a really amazing town and that amazing town had examples of families that were close-knit, that had stability, that required their children to do homework. I had studious peers that challenged me to be my best. So what I know now is that, thank goodness we lost our home. It wasn't pretty, right. but it moved me to another part of uh, you know, the area that was a lot more productive for me And, and then as a result you know also if i think about some of the that challenge is that i'm really disciplined with money so i became a really good thoughtful executive because i'm disciplined with money and the fact that my parents were alcoholics also taught me, and children of alcoholics will know this, is that you learn to read the room really quickly. And you know that, um, you know, if something starts to look awry, like, okay, now I've got to protect myself or things are going to get ugly really quickly. And I will tell you that as an HR executive, that skill set really, really helped me be a great, great HR executive because I could read people, I could read the room and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, it, it took some reflection to say, oh my gosh, that's why I'm that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get too deep into it because that's not really the scope of this conversation. But I I've I mentioned to you previously, I, I, I think I mentioned to you that I, mm-hmm. I quit drinking a couple of years ago, almost two years now. And it's it's been a, a really good decision for me. And I think that was a point where my life kind of shifted because I, I started to realize what adds value to my life and, and what doesn't. And mm-hmm. I, I, yes, I think right now we, as an nation specifically because that's that's what i can most relate to we are going through so much trauma and and tribulation Mm -hmm. and so much that we're trying to we're trying to stave off so much hurt which is is not easy to do especially when we suscept ourselves to i don't want to say the internet i don't want to generalize but so much of it can really tear us down mentally and i it's 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 right now it's more important than ever to have that support system, people that you can rely on and count on to, to be there for you and, and help you through some of these, uh, some of these experiences.
1: Absolutely. To have a really good support system. And I also think it's been a really good opportunity to reflect on, you know, Again, who who am I? Yeah. And what really matters? What are my values? And you know, like sometimes, for example, we can get into arguments with people on whatever Facebook or, right. or something right. like that. we've seen a lot of those kinds of things. But this is where then you have to say, um, you know what is 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 it my value that I have to quote win an argument yes. that I'm not really going to win anyway? Or right. is it my value to um simply Um, show up for somebody else in this world in a way that's helpful to them because this spending my time in this kind of discussion or forum really isn't productive for anyone
0: yeah
1: and and when you're grounded like that and your values um, I think it just really it does you know give you um, it gives you a tool to navigate through some really challenging situations and we've certainly had more than our fair share of them
0: Yes, absolutely, and I have to imagine. I mean, the, the, your career, the the extent of your career, speaks wonders. And I mean, you're you're very good at putting it into words in in, in your book. You. Um, but I have to imagine that that, uh, and you, you you talk about it as well, conflict resolution or that uh, that mitigation of conflict. I that skill set I have to imagine has been extremely valuable over the last ten or fifteen years when. Unfortunately, we've seen workplace violence, and I'm not saying, you know, you're a hostage negotiator, but, I mean, you have to be able to, like you said, read the room and understand when people are stepping closer to the edge and becoming Mm -hmm. a a danger to themselves and to others.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, What – I I know – so you – I know you wrote this book uh, in the past year. Now, you, when was the last time you were in an office as an HR executive?
1: I believe it was middle of March of 2020.
0: Okay. So, mm-hmm. I i mean, with the world that's changed <laughs> in the past, uh, you know, 15, 16 months, I, what can you – I'm sure you're still connected with that industry. I mean, what has that been like for HR professionals trying to deal with employees in and out of the office?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been really, really difficult. And interestingly enough, I mean, there's been a lot of changes in in, uh, human resources As a result, I I was actually planning to leave before we went into the whole COVID thing. So before March, um, but it was an interesting time to leave, that's for sure. Um, But, you know, I, I think HR really doesn't get the credit that it deserves because, you know, a lot of times, you know, when something happens in an organization, HR people can't tell you that it wasn't their decision or, right. or whatever, and they have to take the bullet it, so to speak, actually, you know, just take the hit, you know, from yeah. people are yeah. coming at them and saying, um, you know, whatever it is, and HR professionals have, you know, weathered those storms in so many situations, and now they've had to, like the rest of us, really weather a lot of things. They're also uh, parents in many cases who are homeschooling their children. Right. They're also uh, regular employees who are worried about their own careers and they're making sure that they find The room in their own hearts and in their own capabilities to help other people get through such a tough time and there was no playbook you know we've never experienced a pandemic like this before so really really difficult time you know i think that really good strong hr people and there are a lot of them who are very devoted to their profession um they have um they have really stood up and they have um, gotten, you know, organizations uh, prepared for, uh, or at least getting, you know, the work done. That's really first and foremost for any organization is making sure that people can continue working. Yes. I think the biggest challenge for HR on the near horizon is the return to work with people who have perhaps had some addictions that they were quote managing while they were working you know maybe they would use when they were at home or on weekends but now they've been at home all the time and they also have been facing uh dealing like the rest of us with solitude and those things are really difficult so mental health uh and you know we've just recently heard about the Simone Biles and yes. talking about yeah. her mental health. And I really applaud her courage to talk about authenticity. That yeah. is a wonderful example of, you know, when the whole world is waiting for your performance and you decide I'm, I, I just can't do this right now. Um, so this this is where you know I'm so proud to have been an HR person and to continue to be you know included in the some of the thought processes and, and um, thinking about HR. Yeah. Um, I'm honored to have spent my my career that way.
0: Yeah, and and kudos to you for all of everything that you've contributed to. Thank you. Not just uh, your career and your companies, but the the playbook that you mentioned as well. I mean, I know we didn't have one for uh, uh, in, a, in a pandemic or post pandemic world, but I, I'm wondering how that how chapters are being added to mm-hmm. that and what that looks like in the in the long term because so many industries are are going to be changing for uh, permanently i mean yes. that there's there are obviously going to be you know ebbs and flows things are going to come back to a, some semblance of normalcy but we live in a world that is so tech driven that it's just it's I don't, I don't like using the word impossible, but things are not going to be exactly as they were before. They never will be. So Mm -hmm. what is that? What do you think that looks like? I mean, when you talk about addictions and people being at home Mm -hmm. or even just managing teams for people who are in that first leadership role and they don't necessarily know how to manage people, how, how do you train people to do that?
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really, really difficult. Uh, So, you know, part of it does, you know, I always think, If you can, one of the most important aspects of being a leader is to first of all recognize that the person sitting across the table from you or sitting on the Zoom with you or whatever it might be is a human being. Yeah. Because a lot of times we just think of like, okay, I've got to meet with this person, we've got to get this done, and you know, let's sort of get through it and go on to the next meeting. And so, you know, if you stop and think about intention, so you know, as I think about working with leaders, uh, I'm I'm a, I have a coaching practice too. When I work with leaders, I talk to them about number one, their own humanity, their own yeah. authenticity, and their intentions with being a leader yeah. and then once you start thinking about what is my intention as a leader then you can start seeing that person as a human talking to them about their aspirations talking to them in an open honest way about about their own mental well-being. It's no longer a stigma. We all have situations where we're not at our best and we need extra support. And there's nothing wrong or should be nothing wrong about talking about that with your manager and others at work.
0: So are you, are you confident that we're able to uh, again, I don't want to generalize. I know every company is going to be different, but are you confident that we're going to be able to make that a part of this culture, the uh, company culture that was such a buzzword over the last 10 years? Oh, yeah. Are, are you confident that we're going to be able to add mental health into that paradigm, into that, that everyday conversation?
1: I am confident that over time we will do that. And I will say that companies um, have really been focusing on mental health, but it's been more sort of just a light touch, if you will, you know, saying, well, we have an EAP and call the EAP if you have that. So I don't think it's going to happen overnight for sure. I think it's going to take years. But I mean, we really do have to understand that this is essential in the world of work and that we have to start taking measures to to adopt certain things in our leadership and require certain uh, competencies from our leaders and then train accordingly. Um, There is a lot of really great work being done, a lot of wonderful studies um, by um, organizations, for example, like Gallup. Gallup, They've done a lot of studies recently and and meta-analyses and that kind of thing to understand and the importance of mental health, and they're building a practice around this too. So we'll see, but uh, it, it's not going to be something that we can escape. Um, we really can't. We we absolutely, and the best companies will do it. They'll be on the forefront of it.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Um, for the longest time, I was fascinated with with tech and, and that entire culture in Silicon Valley, and I, I, I almost envied the people who were quote-unquote smart enough to, to work for the Facebooks and Googles. And then suddenly it started coming out, you know, how mm. little of a work-life of balance these engineers had. And all of a sudden I was quite happy having a simple life in Columbus, Ohio. To, I don't mm-hmm. know for – that. you know, I was actually having a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago. She, she was, in fact, talking about authenticity and how mm-hmm. at some point – or how – I'm going to misquote what she said, but she said – it would be inauthentic for me to want to be a musician or a singer. And then at some point in her life, she realized that her definition of authenticity can change. And she actually started singing recreationally or with, with a group. And so that was a, that was a light bulb moment for me realizing that our authenticity can change like we do because we mm-hmm. are not static individuals. We're dynamic. We we learn and grow with all the inputs in our life. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I don't remember the point I was trying to make, other than that it's it was it was a eye opening experience for me to realize that what I thought was my authentic self has evolved and changed over the last few years.
1: Absolutely. And you actually use the same words that I've used in previous interviews. And that is that as we go through our lives, we have certain experiences. We learn and grow and learn and grow and learn and grow. Yeah. You know, what was ma- what was important to someone at age 20? You know, myself, if I think about what was important at age 20, it was really, hey, how do I get a job and pay my rent? Right. And then, you know, yes. at 30, it was how do I get, how do we- I become a vice president and also yeah. be a good... Mom and wife, and then you know at age forty something different, and now that I'm age sixty, um, it's something entirely different. Now it's you know how can I lift others? How can I support yes. other people? And that's you know been a common theme, I think for your your life path too. For so for sure, yeah. you know, and this is about you know revealing our purpose reveals itself over time over our lifetime, Absolutely. and um, you know one of the little quotes that we see a lot of times on memes on the internet is it's actually from David Viscott but it gets attributed to um, uh, an artist actually I forget the, the uh, Picasso all the time but that's incorrect but it's uh, David Viscott and he says the purpose of life is to discover your gift the work of life is to develop it the meaning of life is to give your gift away so if I think about you know, my own life, I worked really hard to try to discover my gifts. And then I worked really, really hard to develop them. Yes. And now I'm at the point in my life where I have more years behind me than ahead, probably. And my, now the, the meaning of my life is to give my gifts away.
0: Yes, I'm so I'm so happy you you read that quote. I, I was going to bring it up, and I'm I'm so glad to hear you do so because that that very much re- and it was toward the beginning of the book too, mm-hmm. and it resonated with me from from the get go, and I I loved it, and uh, mm-hmm. I think like you just said, we as things evolve and change in our lives, and we get to a place where, at least personally speaking, where I've I've been comfortable kind of living my living my life the way it is and the way it is without you know needing the the input or the influence of others around me knowing that I can go out and and put myself out in the world but being perfectly comfortable where I sit in this very yes. moment at that point in time that's when I realized that yes I, I, I do feel like I have something to contribute and yes. that's that's where these conversations come in so yeah that, that, that means a lot
1: yeah, and you have you certainly. I know that you've um, given me some wonderful gifts through your podcast. So I have no doubt that you've given you know so much to so many other people. So thank you for that, and thank you for being brave enough to to do that. It's not easy.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. I, that that means a lot. I, mm-hmm. I very much appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, before we we start to wrap up here, this hour's flown by. Yeah. Um, one last thing uh, that. I kind of want to combine two two additional points from your book. We talk or you would mention deathbed regrets yeah. and the decisions that we we did or didn't make and then we also and then you also mentioned uh that time will keep passing no matter what. So mm-hmm. go after your goals and that that falls right in line with that, you know again talking about memes that I read uh not too long ago. It's Let's just say, for ex- for your example, you took 15 years to get your undergraduate degree. <laughs> now, those 15 years would have passed whether or not you were in school. And so you could have stayed in the same career, same position for those 15 sure. years, not doing anything to better yourself, or you could go to school at night and continuing to pursue your goals and your dreams. And that that is, again, I'm, I'm overusing the word, but it was very profound to think that, Time marches on no matter what and what we choose to do with it is what we are in control of. So if we can choose to go out there and, and take a risk, start a business, write a book, then that is going to add so much fulfillment to our lives.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed because we think about all the steps that are possibly included in getting from A to Z. Yeah. And, you know, what the reality is that most people build their dreams or bring them to life, you know, in my case, one class at a time. Yes. You know, and if I ever stop to think, you know, in the book I just talk about, you know, when I first started, I would say, well, you know, uh, the number of credit hours I needed to get X was 141. And if I kept focusing on 141, I would never have been able to finish. So I just thought to myself, you know what? X is this one class, this one semester. and. That's that's it. But it is a step. So tiny little steps. And if you take one little step towards your goal every day, you have three hundred and sixty-five in a year. You know. So don't get hung up on the the whole journey. Just take yes. a step. We get frozen.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I um I was just doing this the other day. I I I, I tend to fall in and out of running shape, and I, I do consider myself a runner, but I have not been running enough lately. And so I, I went on a four mile run, and it was hot out. And so around mile three. I, I I knew obviously I had a mile left and I, I have to break it down inside my head. Just, I, I don't look down the road. I look 10 feet in front of me yes. and just getting to that point over and over and over again. And eventually I get home. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a case in point for what you just said. Exactly. Those tiny steps get us there.
1: Yes. Perfect.
0: Yeah. So it's, 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 yeah. Uh, again, Vicky, I, <laughs> I, I seriously cannot thank you enough uh, for I don't know, for, for showing up so authentically in this world and for, for creating a book that is, it's very well written. I, I, I urge people to, to pick it up and read it because it really meant a lot to me. And just, I, I thank you for sharing all of that.
1: Oh, thank you, Trey. And I, one of the things that is this, I've learned as part of this journey is I've met some wonderful people. And now I'm so happy to add you to, to the people who will continue to enrich my life. So thank you.
0: Ditto, absolutely. You are very welcome and thank you as well. Um, Before I let you off the hook though, I do have a few closing questions. Um, The first of which is I, I, I want to be a benefit to my guests as much as I possibly can. And so aside from this conversation, I always like to ask, what resources are you looking for to continue your personal growth? And that, that can be anything from the opportunity for people to buy your book or mm-hmm. to even you know, speak on stage or anything in between. And so if somebody out there listening could lend you a resource to help you grow, what would that resource be?
1: Well, f- As you said, I would really appreciate uh, people to actually pick up the book and and read it and and provide a review on Amazon because I'm I'm learning through this process too. And so I want to really understand from the readers what resonated, what works, what doesn't, um, that kind of thing. Um, Certainly reach out if you need coaching or speaking on the topic of authenticity or for leaders. Um, I spent 42 years in the workplace, so I know what it's like to come. Come to work and to um, balance all that you do, and I believe that my coaching practice with the tools, and uh, I am a certified coach as well. I've seen the magic that it it actually leads to. You know, helps other people, and it's it's wonderful and a, a beautiful um, aspect of my life to be able to serve people in that way. But most importantly. I think is um, for the listeners to actually just start showing up in the world in a way that truly reflects who you are. Because when you do that, I believe that the world really will be a better place and we all really need that. Yes,
0: that is so well said. Thank Absolutely. You. And then speaking of books, I always like to know, because it's a cheat code for me, <laughs> what book changed your life? And this book doesn't, as You mentioned it previously. It does not come as a surprise to me after reading your book. What book just absolutely had a profound impact in your life and why?
1: Well, I know that when I spoke to you um, previously, I talked about Jack Canfield's Success Principles, and that is a wonderful book. But this morning when I was reflecting on this question, I actually changed my mind. And um, the book is called Wake Up, Your Life is Calling, and it's by a friend of mine named Mike Jaffe, and the short story is that um, Mike Jaffe, who he's now a co also but he was uh, going to work um, just daily grind and one day he decided that he was going to take time and have breakfast with his one-year-old daughter and that made him 15 minutes late for work and what's compelling about that is that he happened to work in one of the twin towers and that morning his entire team um, lost their lives and he um he um, survived, um, because he was 15 minutes late and he has devoted his entire life to helping other people live their purpose. And when I've heard Mike speak publicly and read his book, um, I first of all cried my eyes out in the audience. And, um, Mike is really a living example of why living your purpose is so incredibly important.
0: That's, I, I don't know what to say that that is, that's amazing. Um, I I will absolutely pick up that book that 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 sounds it sounds very moving, like Mm -hmm. you like you said. So I look forward to reading it. I will I will put in the show notes as well. I appreciate uh, you sharing that. Thank you. And then last but not least, if you could offer the audience one call to action that either you live your life by or you implore others to live their lives by, what would that be?
1: Life is too short to show up as somebody that you're not. You have a purpose. And my prayer for all of you is that you live it because when you do, the world will be a better place.
0: That's beautiful. I appreciate that. Vicki, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. Oh. It, it means the world to me. I'm so excited that we connected. Um, I am in Chicago every once in a while, so I'll absolutely uh, give you a ring, see if you want to grab coffee sometime next time I'm up there. I can't wait. Perfect. Well, um, Vicki, if, if you would, uh, or if, if people would like to reach out to you, if they'd like to connect with you, obviously I will leave a link uh, to, uh, for your book in the show notes. What is the best way for people to connect with you?
1: Sure. You can uh, find me on all the socials, but if you go to my website, which is Vicky's Neighbor, that's V I C K I Z N A V O R dot com, um, links to everything uh, is are there. And I do a weekly uh, blog as well, and videos and all kinds of things. And I'd love to connect with you.
0: Perfect. Well, again, Vicki, thank you so incredibly much. And thank I look you. forward to, uh, to seeing where this goes and, uh, and to staying connected with you and, and talking again soon.
1: Same here, Trey. Thanks.
0: One last time, I would like to thank Vicki for joining me on the podcast. It was such a wonderful conversation. And I hope everyone listening was able to take something away in regard to their own personal authenticity. If you're interested in reading Vicki's book, please be sure to check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com, where you can find all of the links to purchase her book and to connect with her on social media. And while you're at themosaiclifepodcast.com, be sure to sign up for the Circle newsletter so you can stay informed about all new podcast content, from new episodes to new meditations and more. Again, if you sign up for the newsletter in the month of August, you'll be entered to win one of the close to 100 life-changing books mentioned throughout the course of the podcast. That contest will run through the end of August, and I'll be sure to announce the winner in September. And of course, thank all of you for taking time out of your days to listen to this podcast. It means the world to me. If you'd like to connect with me or even just have a conversation, please follow me on Instagram at Trey Kaufman. That's T-R-E-Y K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. Thank you all again so incredibly much. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.